Welcome to the Lost Then Found Podcast. This is a space where we will discuss life, share truth, and gain an encouraging perspective, no matter our season or our circumstances. I'm your host, China Vogel, and this is a peek into my journey of being lost then found. Well, hello and welcome to the Lost and Found podcast. This is China. I am your host and I am back, everyone. I'm back. Uh, my husband and I and our little girls actually took some time off over the past week um, and it was so good. Uh, we were able to get refreshed and uh, just really took each day in stride, which was really nice because sometimes I get in that mode and uh I ha I get more focused on the list of things that we have to like achieve and accomplish and the things we want to do uh, instead of just reading what our needs are each day and we read them and we adapted and some things got done and some things didn't and that's okay we were rested we had quality time together and I believe that we had some quality time with the Lord as well so you know uh, in my time and I had talked about it in episode 30, which would have been the last released episode. But I've really been in this moment of just really digging into my schedule, uh, looking at the things that I say yes to, uh, figuring out how to do them better, how to manage myself better. And, you know, I'm a free spirit. And naturally, I just want to kind of float through life and do what I want to do and not do the things I don't want to do. But I'm really trying to be intentional because I want to produce more with the gifts and the time that the Lord's given me, right? And I think we can all say that we want that. You know, I uh, ha- I thought of this reference um, from a popular TV show. They're interviewing people for a manager position, and they're interviewing this this girl, and she's talking about how she's been managing her department for a number of years, and they're like, wait, aren't you just, a, isn't your department just you? And she goes, well, yes, I'm very difficult to manage. And I... I uh, had that pop into my head because I'm hard to manage. Uh, bless anyone who's uh, actually overseen me um, because I am a free spirit. But I'm realizing even for me having that and that being a part of who I am, there's still something really good about um, making a plan and I believe even biblical about kind of reining that in so that way I can make the most with what God has given me. So, you know, when I was on vacation, I was looking at doing this exercise uh, through somebody that I follow um, who kind of leads in this kind of time management stuff. And you were looking at tasks uh, in front of you and you kind of divided them up into some basic groups, really helping you to deep dive into, okay, what am I called to right now? And then really what falls in the other categories of well, this isn't for me to do right now, or this isn't something for me to do right now. And this actually reminded me, um, as I was working through this, of a previous season in life where I was wrestling with a very similar question of what am I called to? So rewind with me, if you will, back a few years, we're in the, gosh, late summer, uh, early fall of 2018, and we found out, surprise, we're pregnant with our second child, uh, which we didn't plan. We were actively preventing, but the Lord had other plans. He had other plans. 
And uh, that news came right on the tail, like, and I say right on the tail, within a matter of weeks of us also diving into this, oh, we're going to start a second campus. And my husband and I really feeling like the Lord was drawing us to say yes to being the campus pastor and to pastor that location. And then in part uh, for me to do worship each week and, um, and to do what that looked like. It was so exciting. It was a very exciting season in our life. And I love those seasons. And I know we all do, right? We had these wow God moments where, you know, we had confirmation after confirmation of like the Lord paving a path for us. There was, I know Justin, we were just talking about how he had this dream where um, it, he felt like it was from the Lord, from the spirit of God confirming like, no, we were meant to go bring uh, the love of Jesus to that community, like authentic uh, passion for the name of Jesus. And there were all these signs, right? And it was very exciting. And it was so fun to see, man, God, where are we going? Like, not like in a scary way, but like maybe a little bit holding your breath because you don't know what's coming. But at the same time, like, oh, I'm so excited to see what God does here. And so we pause, we fast forward in the story. Let's go ahead about 12 months down the road. So we're in 2019 now. And a few things have come to pass in that year's time. So to start off with in the uh, April, in the, the the spring season there, right before summer, um, my mom had had cancer a few years prior, um, had done some treatments for it. We thought it was under control and it came back with a vengeance and it just kind of went through her entire body till it took her life. So my mom passed away in the spring. We're planting in at the end of August, we're talking just a few months prior, and we plant our campus as I'm eight months pregnant, <laughs> right? Um, I'm eight months pregnant with our second child, which we were so grateful for, but we we didn't coordinate that, right? So there was still some like uh, adapting to the thought of, oh my goodness, we're having two babies this close together, and what does that even look like? And uh, and then on top of it, then we just had this other kind of baby where we're we're having this baby of a church campus with a new schedule, with new faces and new surroundings each week. So there was a lot of new, right? Within a matter of a year's time, we went from this like, God, I know that what you're speaking to me. And then into this like, okay, this is still a lot of new. This is still exciting. Some, And then the different, you know, there's different stuff going on. And I was there for it. I was all in. Um, and I have, you know, ever, ever since then been all in. Uh, and obviously we're all in when it's like, you're at the mountaintop moment where you're like, God, where are we going? <laughs> this is awesome. Um, but you know, as time went on, right, I think just heard somebody say this the other day, but the honeymoon phase will eventually wear off and that's okay that it does. Cause it's not meant to last forever. Right. But in the same breath as that, I think my excitement was still there, but it started getting overshadowed by a lot of questions that I had that kind of started rising to the surface. And honestly, it was born out of difficulty. Just being transparent there, you know, it was all these questions started rising up of, wait, how am I supposed to be a mom with two under two who were so little and needed so much for me? all at the same time. And just to give frame of, you know, context to that, 
I was never the girl who wanted to babysit. I didn't want to hold babies. I thought they were cool, but I was kind of scared of them, especially because they were other people's and you could like break them. Um, but that just wasn't who I was. So then it felt so ironic that I would be someone who surprise is going to have two little girls under two years old. And that's just a whole different ballgame. Bless you if you have been in that season or if you are in that season or if you're heading into it because um, you should get a special badge for that, as all moms should. But that's like you get an extra gold star for two under two. And then I'm asking other questions like, man, wait, what does it really mean for me to be a campus pastor's wife? What do... What are, what's the expectation of me? What do I expect of myself? Right. And then wrestling through, you know, I'm a worship leader and wrestling through those worship rehearsals. They're early. My husband and I both serve in leading. And so we're not only getting up, but our small babies are getting up and it's early, like, and I mean, really early. Um, and then other questions like, how am I supposed to do this when all, everything that was familiar is gone, right? My mom, uh, wasn't, and they lived further away, but she wasn't on this earth anymore to pull on for me to call when babies got sick, which they did. And when I I felt like I didn't even grow up with like cousins and stuff or even nieces and nephews. So I felt like a complete fish out of water uh, stepping into motherhood. And then all that was familiar, even with being at our, uh, our original campus, now I'm yes, with friendly faces, but they're new and the support system and that structure that had been built over years was miles and miles away. So what does this look like and how do I do it all without neglecting stuff? And am I even supposed to be doing some of this? You know, some of it was non-negotiable. I can't choose whether to be a mom. I'm committed to my marriage ministry we're in, but then there's these other periphery things. It's like, well, what am I even supposed to be doing right now? And so, as you can imagine, there was an onslaught of questions that rose up over all the excitement that, like I said, was still there, but those questions didn't go away on their own. <laughs> they just didn't. Um, time did not deal with that. I remember a few months later, you know, we're in the winter now. Uh, our sweet Nina, she's born. Um, she is a, is a three-month-old, two-month, three-month-old at this point. And I distinctly remember sitting in the nursery. It was on a Saturday night. It was probably like 11 o'clock at night. And I'm holding her uh, so she can be kind of upright because she ended up, and I didn't know that she had RSV at the time, but I knew she was sick. She, was, she had some like trouble um, just with drainage and that kind of thing. So I'm like sitting in the rocking chair. I'm holding her. It's 11 o'clock and I literally have to be up in like not that many hours, <laughs> like very, very early in the morning. And I'm sitting there and the house is quiet because Zella's asleep and Justin's asleep. But I had so much mental noise going on because those questions were still tumbling around in there. I was still begging that question. And I felt this tension so heavy in my heart and in my soul. And I remember turning to God, you know, in my, in my heart and in my mind and saying, how God, Man, the cost is so high. How am I supposed to do this? And you know, this uh, moment had months and months of, of me sitting in those questions, of me sharing them through tears and through, man, maybe even some frustration with my husband of like, I couldn't make sense of it. Um, and I couldn't find peace around it either. I found myself 
trying to pull on mothers who um, were spiritually ahead of me, who were in their mothering years ahead of me, and trying to pull on some of their wisdom. And ultimately, it always came back, I needed to hear from God, which is good counsel. I did need to hear it from God because their situation isn't and wasn't mine. But I'm still feeling that tension. I, I get to this Saturday night, and I have a sick three-month-old, and I have to get up early and do all the things that I want to do, but they're still hard and they're still costly. And I'm sitting there holding her and you know what happens. I cried out again for what must have been the thousandth time. I felt honestly like a small child, like kicking and screaming a little bit, but I brought it nonetheless because I'm like, Lord, man, what do I do here? The cost is so high. And in that moment, after months of wrestling through it, of um, honestly wallowing at points, uh, having a pity party for myself at points, I heard the Lord, Lord's voice cut through so clearly. And he said, if I'm calling you to this, is that enough? He said, if I asked you to do this, would that be enough? And I knew what he meant. <laughs> He meant, I hear your questions, China, but I'm asking you to do this. Is that enough for you to give your yes? And it's like in one like instant, his voice like silenced all the chatter. And I knew so clearly that I am called. And if he's asking for me to do something, it's worth it. In that moment, I felt like I had been counting up all the costs for months. I've been petitioning and making this list as if he doesn't know anyway. And in that moment, it's like his voice reconciled that in my heart. That yes, I do know what the cost is. I know the list. I have counted it up plenty of times. But he was worth it. No matter what it was going to cost me. No matter what it was currently costing me. And friends, that moment broke me. (laughs) Oh, and this story in my own life has continually reminded me of another story. And I really want to share this with you because I believe that there's somebody on the other side of this that needs to hear this. That out of a revelation I had a few years back that it can breathe life to you regardless of what it looks like because the the Bible is still good. It's still the truth that it can cut between stuff to kind of separate it out. And there's just clarity regardless of our season of life. And this uh, moment in my life reminded me of this story in Jacob where he's wrestling with God. We find this in Genesis. It's in chapter 32. And just to give you some context, so Jacob is the person we are focusing on in this chunk of scripture. And he's pretty important. Uh, You know, when he was born, he was given the name Jacob because it actually means he was someone who grasps at the heel or that he deceives. What a name. (laughs) And Jacob, and he was that. He deceived to get um, things that weren't his to have, right? He manipulated. He deceived his father into giving him his brother's blessing, his brother Esau. The firstborn had the blessing that was going to be given, this kind of like covenantial blessing that their father would pass down. And in turn, he deceived his father and Jacob stole it right out from underneath his brother. He stole his very birthright. And he was someone who continually tried to make his own way to buy dishonest actions for selfish ambition. 
uh, and he did gain through wrong actions and wrong motives. And you can imagine that this caused some extreme dissension between Jacob and his older brother Esau. It says in Genesis 27, 41, Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand, as saying like, hey, my father's going to pass away, right? He says, then I will kill my brother Jacob. So a bit of a grudge, like plotting murder level of a grudge. And so naturally Jacob becomes aware of this and he runs away. He goes to some relatives, he gains a few wives, and of course runs into more turmoil and it's around him. And he's gone for 20 years, and that's kind of in the chapters prior to Genesis 32. But in those that 20 years was up, and God tells Jacob to go back to the land of his fathers. And then he promises him, I will be with you. So Jacob obeys and goes back to the land where his brother Esau, the one who said he's going to kill him, was still living in. You know, the, that brother who had this grudge, who um, had honestly kind of every right to be frustrated with his brother, maybe, maybe not to death, but, you know, he had good reason. Jacob had done wrong by him. But Jacob, listening to the voice of the Lord, he goes back and he enters back into his homeland. And so as he gets it across the border, he sends a messenger ahead to go talk to his brother Esau. And here is where we're actually going to pick up in our story that I want to share with you today. So Genesis 32, let's dive in. In verse 6, it says, When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, We went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you. He and 400 men with him. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided his people into two camps, as well as the flocks and herds and camels. He thought if Esau comes and attacks one camp, then the other camp can maybe escape. And then Jacob declared, Oh, God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, the Lord who told me, go back to your country and to your kindred, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. Indeed, with only my staff, I came across the Jordan, but now I've become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother Esau, for I'm afraid that he may come and attack me and the mothers and the children with me. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and I will make your offspring like the sand of the sea, too numerous to count. And so in this moment, Jacob's crying out to the Lord. Uh, he's, he's petitioning, he's grappling, right? But this time there's something different than before. He's not leading off with manipulation. He's not, um, I mean, yes, he's, he's asking for the Lord to protect him. But I hope you caught that in there, that there was kind of this mark of humility in what he was saying. He said, I am unworthy of your goodness to me. But God, please save me, right? And I think it's fair to say that there's at least the start of a heart change that's happening. I think because Jacob knows or knew that he had no other way to manipulate or to maneuver his way out of things he had gotten himself into. And so Jacob, at this point, he he prays to God and then he sends 
all of his possessions off uh, ahead of him. He sends gifts for his brother. So that way, as his brother is coming towards him, he's going to be met with gifts, hopefully ease the the greeting. But then he also sends over his sons and his wives. And so then he's left completely alone. And this is where Jacob encounters and wrestles with God. So this section is actually entitled Wrestling with God. And it starts in 30, Genesis 32, 24. It says, so Jacob was left all alone and there a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower Jacob, he struck the socket of Jacob's hip and dislocated it as they wrestled. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. Jacob, he replied. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with men and you have prevailed. And Jacob requested, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed Jacob there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, saying, Indeed, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed by Penuel, and he was limping because of his hip. So a few thoughts here as we are digesting this story. So, you know, Jacob in his uh, pre-wrestling with God, in that, that life prior to this encounter, he was dishonest, right? He would grapple at the heels of other people to gain success or the blessing. And he gained what he had by his own strength and by his own deception and by his own hand and his own manipulation. That's how he gained the favor he had in the situations and with the people around him. But this changed when he comes home and realizes he can't avoid his well-deserved wrath from his brother, right? And then... In this humility that comes upon him, he's changed. You know, Jacob, he humbly recognizes that he can't maneuver his way out of this. But only God can really save, can really bless him. He can be the only source that can give Jacob the care that he's seeking after. And then Jacob, like I said, he sends off everything that he had dishonestly earned And all that came through the manipulation and strife of his actions. And he prays an honest, humble prayer to God. God comes and then meets with him. I love that, that Jacob, it's almost like he's extending out his hands to God. And then God like comes face to face to meet with him. How terrifying. And he makes Jacob literally wrestle it out with God. Jacob was forced to persist with his cry for help and not giving up until he received the blessing of protection that he was seeking, even in the midst of like tremendous physical pain when his hip got dislocated, he persisted. And I believe that there was a change that happened in Jacob through this encounter, right? As if you've ever encountered the spirit of God, you're not the same after that, right? I know that's been the case for me when I've had these kind of holy moments with the Lord, I'm marked, I'm changed. And so it was with Jacob. He physically sustained an injury and he walked with a limp after that. But he wasn't only changed externally or physically, he was changed internally in his heart. He walked with a literal and spiritual limp 
that made him have to constantly recognize I can't do it in and of myself. And that's what God encounters do. They change us. He was changed so much that he was given a new name, right? And I found this commentary from Ellicott uh, on the transformation that Jacob had going to Israel, right? So Esau uh, really had given a bad meaning to the name of Jacob because of how Jacob treated his brother. And it was deserved. But a change has now come over Jacob's character. And he is no longer the crafty schemer who is ever plotting for his own advantage. No, he's become one who's humble and repentant, who can trust himself and all that he has in God's hands. And so there's some important takeaways from Jacob's story, as well as from my own, that I would really love to share with you today. Just some correlations that, like I said, I believe it's a timely word. Um, It re-stirred me all over again, just remembering the testimony of my own life. And I want to share it with you today. So if you're taking notes, our first point is that we need to choose humility. Genesis 32.10 says, uh, as Jacob was saying to the Lord, I am unworthy of all of the kindness and faithfulness you have shown to your servant. Jacob got brought to a place to choose humility, but really he got humbled, right? And honestly, I went through my own form of that. You know, there was, yes, I had my questions, but there was, Part of it where I think the Lord in the gentle and kind way that he does led me to this place where I landed on my knees, (laughs) where I maybe tried to resist being humbled because I want, I had my list, right? I had this list, but the reality is, is that, uh, when God spoke, it brought it, it brought me to a, a resolution, but also to a humbling, to a low place of like, you know what? You are worth it. I acknowledge his sovereignty. I acknowledge his lordship in his rightful place. Because hear me, humbling is going to come one way or the other, either by choice or I, either it's going to be thrust upon you. And of course, I think of this passage out of Philippians 2, 10 and 11. It says that the, at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow on heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And just to paint an obvious picture here, if he's Lord, then we're below him, right? If he's God, he's above us. He's, his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. Um, so it's far more about us coming into alignment with who he already is. It's not like, oh, I'm letting you be on the throne. No, he's actually already on the throne. It's just a matter of us lining up with the truth and the reality, not our perception of our control, <laughs> Oh man, in our, in our own pride and selfishness, man. And we can willingly choose to do this. We can choose humility in the Lord. When we ask for that, like, Lord, I want to be humble. Even if you recognize pride in your life, you can ask for it. And, and he is so good to lead us to that. Like he will give that. That's a good gift. But if we resist, I promise you it's going to come one way or another. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Luke 14, 11, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And that is what we saw with Jacob. And I experienced this to be truth because the true, uh, this is true in the kingdom 
of God in his economy, right? This is how it works. So I would say prepare your heart and choose humility in coming to the Lord. And then once we choose humility, once we kind of prime our hearts, then we wrestle with God. The obvious point number two, ding, 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 we wrestle with God. And when I say wrestle with God, I believe that this can mean a few different things. It can mean that we wrestle out or re-wrestle out, um, you know, those promises or, you know, in my case, it was wrestling out what I'm called to, right? Because we are all called to do things. We are all asked to do things. Uh, the Lord in scripture, I don't even have the reference for this, but it says that you were predestined, right? Like that he knew you in your mother's room and he had a plan for your life while you were still like tissue as <laughs> in your mother's room before you were formed, while you were thought he knew who you were going to be. And he has people and things and situations and roles that he has called you to. And some are short seasons and some are for longer, right? My uh, call as one thing might be short. It might be for this season of life. But my girls, like that's going to be a lifetime. I'm, I'm called to them for a lifetime and that's going to change. But that's a long-term commitment. My marriage is a long-term call. And man, I would just want to encourage you that regardless of the emotions that you're feeling, Regardless of whether you're angry or upset or disappointed, which I promise, like I had some of those feelings and it's okay if things didn't look the way that you thought they were going to, but all the more we still show up and wrestle with God. He isn't scared of what you're feeling. He's aware of it. And I believe that he's not moving away from you, but he's actually doing quite the opposite. He wants to move toward you and he's inviting you to come in. He's like, come spar with me so we can have peace, so we can make peace here. And so that way we can just get this really clear because he's called you to something and it's good and he designed you for it. And it's going to be the most fulfilling uh, way you can spend your time and do your life. So I do want to make this point as we step into that whole peace point. I hope you hear me here, but we need to make peace with what we're called to. And I know I've had moments of this, some longer than they needed to be, on not being resolved with the specific shape that I'm called to or wanting someone else's call or um, just wanting wanting it to be different, Right. But friend, we have to wrestle that to the ground so we can have peace. You know, we know he's worthy of whatever he's asking for. But our pressure of life and the pain and the cost, right? That list gets really loud once rubber has to start meeting the road. And if you avoid the wrestling, friend, you're going to live in a constant dissonance in your soul that I believe is devoid of the peace of God. And it's going to make your life, and I hope you hear my loving tone here, but it's going to be a form of hell on earth. You're going to be so dissatisfied and so just bent out of shape all the time. It will be hell on earth, and it's not going to just be for you. It's most likely going to impact the people who are closest to you and around you. So friend, I believe that the Lord has peace. It's an, ex it's an extension of who he is. He knows what he's designed you for. It's just a matter of us hearing from him and coming in alignment with it. So peace is available. Hope you hear me in that. 
So what do we do? We show up, we do the work, we get, we come with humility and we continually show up to wrestle it out with the Lord. And in all of this, it can be uncomfortable and it can be messy and confused and painful, but he's ready. So friends, we need to choose humility. We show up and we wrestle it out with God. And then point number three, you need to know that your wrestling will lead to walking. What do I mean by that? Well, for me, I know that I was changed in that moment in the nursery. I'm on that cold Saturday night. I'm holding my sweet baby girl who's sick. And that encounter with the voice of God changed me. It reconciled something in me and put it to bed once and for all. And even though I was changed, though, I had to walk it out, right? I had to work it out. And that happened over months after that encounter that Saturday night. I worked it out. I let my roots go down deep knowing, no, I'm called to this. I'm called to be the mother to these children. I'm called to my husband. I'm called to this ministry for such a time as this in this place to these people. I'm called to lead worship. I know these things. And as I walked it out, I am, I was like a tree where my root system was going down and it was going down deeper, far deeper than if I would have just not had to wrestle that out with the Lord. God had appointed me to be there in that moment. And while he knew all that I was facing and all that I would have to face, he knew what he was calling me to. So friends, you're wrestling. Yes, there might be a momentary encounter with the Lord. But you need to know that there's also a walking out of what the Lord speaks to you, right? And then number four, we need to trust God to deliver on the promise. God is good to his promise. And so we need to remind ourselves just like Jacob did. And really, actually, Jacob was, he said it during his prayer. It's almost like he was reminding God, like, hey, God, remember you said (laughs) you're going to prosper my lineage. Hey, remember, you told me to come back here. Help. Right, But we remind ourselves and we trust God that he's good to his promise, that he's going to deliver. And I want to tell you that uh, being on the other side of that season for me, man, I trusted God with the details because I had lots of questions and there was a lot of logistics of like, man, how do I do this? And friends, I can tell you, I had another moment shortly thereafter where Um, I started praying. I'm like, God, I need people to help hold up my arms because I can't be mom all at the same time while leading a worship rehearsal while being Justin's wife and doing all the things, right, that I'm called to do, that China's called to. But I knew I needed support, right, in a very new space with new people. And so I uh, had this moment and actually came out of a sermon that was preached. And I'm sitting on the front row listening to this sermon at one of our Saturday night services And it's like the Lord opened my eyes and all of a sudden I was able to see what was actually around me. Like, yes, there were new faces, but there were these people that God had also called specifically for such a time to come and love on my girls, to come and help hold up my arms, to come and serve people that I can help call up and be like, hey, you're called to do this too, right? And he provided and he's been so good to provide people who are like, grandparents and aunts and uncles through the body of Christ to my family who have cared for our our girls, yes, but have cared for my husband and I. 
man. And two years later, two and a half, three years later, these are core people to us now. So you need to trust that God's going to deliver on the promise. If he's given you one, if he's called you to it, he's going to make bring the provision, right? And then number five, we need to have persistent wrestling because that is going to develop character. Romans 5, 3-4 says, We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that our suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And you know, in my story, the tension in my soul and that lack of peace that I had because of the pain of what the, what it was costing me, man, it forced me to persist. And I know there were moments where I was wallowing in that, where there was maybe uh, stagnant uh, self-pity going on. But I persisted. I persisted because I wanted to... to move past the pain and get to the point of like, okay, I need peace about this. Either I need to stop doing what I'm doing or I need you to give me peace and speak about it, right? And so we can rejoice in the pain, in the suffering. Because friends, it's going to give you perseverance. And when we persevere, uh, when we persevere, it's going to develop character in you. And for me, I persisted, right? I talked to God. I cried out to him. I sought counsel in other moms who were seasoned beyond me. I found a safe place with my husband to process. And I cried out to God again and on repeat. In my pain, in my suffering, it it did just that. That perseverance um, showed up and it developed character in me. And having to wrestle with God and having to persist in the midst of that pain like Jacob did, even though his hip was dislocated, he responded by saying, I will not let you go until you bless me. Meaning, I will not let you go unless you help me. I won't stop until I get what I need. Hear me, I found the peace that my soul needed because I persisted. I believe the Lord showed up because I persistently cried out, And that peace overcame me, and I became so resolved in my soul about knowing what I was called to, where I was called to it, who I was called to. And friends, as I walked that out, character was developed in me. I knew all the things I was called to, and I still do because that pain developed that perseverance, and the perseverance, when it was walked out, developed the character, right? Are you catching the theme yet? And in that, in that perseverance and that character development, you know what happened? I grew. My character grew. And it's like I was a tree and my, it set my roots down deeper than they had ever been before. And friends, I really want you to hear this part. You know, I needed to know what I was called to. The root system that I um, know I'm here, that I know that I'm here for these people that I'm here to serve for this task and this role for this time. I know I am called and I say yes. And man, the deeper the roots for a tree a tree and for a, that system, right? The stronger the tree is and the more stable the tree is. And the roots for me were stabilizing because as life so often does for all of us, 
we have more storms. Winds came, they blew all around us since that winter in 2019. There have been plenty of storms since then. But you know what happened? When the storm came and when the wind blew, I went back to that call that was developed in that character season, in that persevering and painful season that developed me. Uh, And I've gone back through so many times when it has hurt, when it has been hard, when questions start to rise up again, I call it to mind. I say, I know who I am called by. I know what I'm called to do. I know who I'm called to. And come what may, I'm going to do it. I've actually said that out loud to Justin, to myself as a mantra of come what may, I'm going to, I'm my feet are in the ground and I am not moving. Not until God tells me to. I am here. I am showing up. And I believe blessing has come upon that. Man, come what may. Come what may. I know I am called and I know what I'm called to. I know what you're asking of me. I've counted up the cost. And God, come what may, I'm going to do it. My footing is secure because of who has called me. Man, and the the roots that are developed because of your perseverance and because of therefore your character being grown, man, that develops strength in you that you will be able to lean on in the next season. And I would dare say is required for the next season. So let's recap here. We choose humility and we show up and wrestle with God in a wrestling uh, that's going to evolve into walking it out. And as you walk it out, you need to remind yourself of God's promises and you need to persistently show up to allow the character to be developed in you. And you know, in the end of Jacob's wrestling, at the end of Genesis 32, Jacob prophetically claims, I don't even know if he knew it was prophetic, but it was, uh, he prophetically claims in verse 30, he says, indeed, I have seen God face to face. And yet my life was spared. My life was saved. I've been saved, right? And thus it was. He goes on and he's not only spared by his brother's wrath, but when he meets Esau, he's embraced with a hug and tears and joy. And so he goes on and he sets up his camp in the land of his forefathers. And what does he do? He builds an altar at the very place that he was safely delivered into the promise. And he named the altar, catch this, El Elohe Israel. And that means God is the God of Israel. Mighty is the God. Meaning that God is my God and he is mighty. Friend, I pray that in your wrestling with God and in your humbling and going low, that it would not only bring about your deliverance and your promise being handed to you, but that we would really be able to say, no, God is my God and he is mighty. So Jesus, we love you. Lord, I thank you for every person represented on the other side of this listening in their cars, uh, on their phone, 
God, as they work out, as they go about their tasks, God, I just thank you that you know what we need. And God, I thank you that you saw beyond my comfort and you desired far more to, to establish character in me in the previous season of my life. And God, that you developed something that's deeper, that has been a firm foundation, not shifting sand, but a rock where I'm tethered to, that I know, that I know, that I know that I'm called and who I'm called by, and I know what I'm called to. So God, we trust you. I pray for those listening, God, that you would just refine that for them, that when they cry out to you, God, thank you that you accept us, that you love me as you find me. That you love me as you find me. But God, you, your love's too good to leave me there. I was just singing that song last night, that you love me as you find me, but your love is too good to leave me where I'm at because you have greater things for me to do. Lord, that you want to accomplish something greater in me and through me by molding me and shaping me through my humility, through my perseverance, through my persistently looking to you, through me crying out, you're my God. I need your help. I won't let go until you give me what I need. So God, I pray that you would do just that. That your hand is not too short, no matter what the need is, no matter what um, the pain is, no matter what the cry of our hearts are, God, your reach uh, goes as far as the east is to the west, right? That you can cover any spans, no matter how high or how deep it is. So Lord, would you show yourself faithful because it is who you are. And I thank you that you are the God that is the God of China and that you are mighty. We love you. And God, I pray that our lives would be all for you. Just surrendered, God. Not by our own striving and um, pedaling and climbing and achieving, but no, God, that what you establish and what you call will never fade away. That it'll never um, be shaken unless you decide that it, it needs to shift. God, I thank you that you are the rock on which I stand. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, friends. It's so good to be back with you. I've missed you. It's been good to have the last few weeks uh, to rest. But friends, I have missed being with you. Uh, this is um, a blessing for me. This fills me up. And I just pray that it imparts something to you. And if it does, I guess I would ask, would you share it? Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you if you share it on your socials or if you have that friend that you keep having pop up in your head. Uh, just spread the love because I want to just be faithful to do this for however many people it's meant to reach. But I do want the good news to reach as many people as possible. So if you have someone in mind or if you think that your uh, Facebook friends or Instagram friends would benefit from it, give it a share. So we love you and we will catch you next week.